sometimes it's like that on the Sea of Galilee. It just seems like it rains all day and the wind blows and sometimes thunder and lightning. And the Sea of Galilee is, is really an incredible place. I spent most of my life on the Sea of Galilee. And that get very stormy at times and we've been in the storm sometimes I know you've been in the storms of life sometimes I mean on the Sea of Galilee I've learned some lessons that really have helped me to believe and to trust God the Sea of Galilee is a place I really grew up on some of you know I, I grew up in the town of Capernaum that's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and I only lived a few hundred yards from the water, and so my family, we were all fishermen, my brother Andrew and, and most of my cousins, and most of the men that grew up in Capernaum were fishermen. I was a fisherman, and it was from that time when I was fishing that Jesus came by one day. I told that story a while back. Jesus, this incredible man that had somehow captivated my heart, he, he came by and he, he uh, said, Peter, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. I mean, can you think such a simple thing like that could have gotten a hold of my heart and gripped me so that I got up, I left my nets there, and I followed Jesus. And I've been following him ever since. What a journey it's been. It's been incredible. The lessons that I've learned from Jesus and even from the the water, I mean, all the things that Jesus did and said on the water are incredible when I start listing them in my mind and thinking about all the things that Jesus did with water. I mean, I told you the story how he turned the water into wine. I mean, man, that is, uh, I don't quite know how he did that, but whatever he, he did. And boy, there's just a lot of stories. And, and when he, he sent me to, to take the fish out of the, the water and there was a coin in it to pay the taxes, man, that was... Uh, I, I, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I tell you, there's all kinds of things that Jesus did. You know what's incredible to me is Jesus was not a fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. You know, he worked with his father, Joseph. We've heard the story, seen some of his work, and he was a good carpenter. And his, his father, Joseph, until he passed, he, he, did, he was a good carpenter. And Joseph, Jesus knew how to do carpentry, but Jesus didn't know how to fish. But it was incredible how he knew where the fish were. I never quite figured that out. I mean, I've spent my life on the water. And, you know, and when it goes well, fishing's not bad. It's not the most glamorous thing. And, you know, it's, it's just not that exciting. But I spent my life on the water. And, and so I know a little bit about fishing anyway. And the rest, James and John. And I told you my brother Andrew and most of my close friends. You know, we understand fish. But Jesus, man, it's incredible about him. It's amazing how he can, he can just kind of come to the Sea of Galilee and know things that I don't understand how he did. I'll tell you, there, there was one time, it was incredible to me. We had been out fishing all night. And, you know, that's when sometimes the fishing's the best, at night. You know, and that's when we're most successful. We're used to that. We're out all night. We're tired. Hadn't caught a single fish. Not, not one of them. And you know what Jesus does? He's out on the shore away from us, you know, and he comes up and, hey, have you caught any fish? You know, kind of the tone in his voice. He knew he hadn't caught any fish. He probably knew it anyway. And, of course, you know, now, been a tough night, Jesus. We're coming in. Uh, 
And it just, they're not biting it. And we just can't find them. They're not here. They're not here close to the shore. And, you know, Jesus, oh, wait a minute. Throw your net on the other side. And, you know, at first, the first time this happened, I'll tell you the reaction that Andrew and I had and the rest of them. You know, when Jesus said, throw the net on the other side, you know, first we laughed. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's, he's pulling our chain a little bit like, these dumb fishermen, they've been out there all night. They don't know how to catch a single fish. I'll show them how to do it. So we just kind of, yeah, yeah, right, Jesus, you know. And, and then one of them, we thought about it a little bit more, and, and one of them said, hey, Peter, do what the rabbi says. Maybe he has connections, you know. And, you know, we just kind of, yeah, okay. So we took the net, and, oh, we threw it out on the other side. I don't know if the number 153 means anything to you. That is more fish than we've ever, ever, ever caught in a single time. It was so much that our net was ripping and we had to call the other guys in the other boat to come and help us. I don't understand how Jesus knows these things. I mean, you might think, well, that's, that's no big deal. You know, fish, Jesus understands that. You know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. But Jesus, let me tell you some more things about him. I'm going to tell you four words that describe who Jesus is to me. The first one is Jesus is absolutely powerful. Jesus is absolutely powerful. I mean, he could do things that nobody else can possibly think of. He had this mastery, if you want to call it that, the mastery of of things that I don't understand. I mean, the weather, people, the demons. He did things that, man, I'm telling you, if you read the stories and you hear the story, I don't know how you can explain them. There's no way to explain them other than what he claimed. He was the son of God. And man, he did things that, man, we just kind of stepped back and said, how did you, who are you? And he said, follow me. He's incredibly powerful. But I'll tell you something else about him. He had incredible insight. Man, when he looked at you, when he looked at you, you knew that he knew. He knew what was going on inside of you. You know what? Jesus looked at me, and he knew my faults. He knew my sin. He knew what I was, what I really was. He knew how I ran my mouth, and I got a temper, and man, I, he knew it. You know, just like he would look at me. Sometimes he didn't even have to say anything. He would just look at me like he's looking right right through me. He had incredible insight. There's something else that that Jesus carried with him all the time I knew him, and that is that Jesus knew what his purpose was. I had never met anybody that understood their purpose like Jesus. Never. He knew who he was. I mean, he defined it for us. He told us. He explained it to us. This is why I've come. And we kind of say, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Then he'd go out and heal people. And love people and work these incredible miracles. There was this time when there were 
thousand people that came to listen to him. And they were so riveted by what he said that they, they sat on the side of the mountain all day, forgot about life. Nothing to eat all day. But they wouldn't leave because Jesus was teaching. Man, and what he said hit their hearts and their minds and their spirits. And boy, it just it captivated them. This Jesus, I'll tell you, there's nobody ever before, during, or since my life that's been like Jesus. And so I say to you today, take a look at who Jesus is. If you have a openness in your heart to really hear who Jesus is, it's absolutely incredible. Incredible. Purpose. I'll tell you something else about him. I've known people with purpose. This is different. I'll tell you what else Jesus had. He had incredible compassion. Incredible compassion for people. I saw him do things for people that did not deserve it because he had a heart of compassion. I I saw Jesus reach down to this dying person and touch him. The lepers. We don't touch lepers. I don't touch lepers. Jewish people do not touch lepers. They're unclean. They're diseased. They're dirty. But you know what Jesus does when he sees a leper? He goes right over to him and he touches him. There's a compassion about him that's incredible. And he is not willing to stay in the box. Lepers. Gentiles. And Jesus just like, he don't care where you're from. He loves you. He doesn't even care. Well, he probably cares, but it's like he doesn't care what you've done. He always reaches out and says, I'm going to take you out of that. I don't want to leave you where you're at. I want you to change. But it's always with compassion. Gentiles. Man, and you know, another thing about Jesus is he, uh, he was very kind to women. Not that we're not, asked my wife, but you know, he gave him dignity and honor. Man, he, restoration, it's incredible what he did. Everywhere he went, compassion, compassion, purpose, insight. That's who Jesus is. Boy, talking about the insight, he was an incredible teacher. The things he would say would just get to us because he just had this understanding of human nature. And I think, wow, that's, a, that's pretty deep. He really does understand. I'll tell you a, a story he told us. One day, we weren't far from the Sea of Galilee. There were a lot of people that had gathered to hear him teach, and, and he kind of went up on the, the side of the mountain. You know, all around the Sea of Galilee are mountains. It's kind of in a bowl just about, not completely, but almost. And, and he would walk up into the mountains, sometimes by himself to pray, but oftentimes if he tried to do it, people would, people would come and find him, and they would just want to hear him tell us more, Jesus. One day, he started out, it was so simple, he said something like this, a farmer went out to sow. I thought, oh, okay, here comes another one of the stories. Oh, he was so good at storytelling. Every story he told had a point. 
And it was always good. A farmer went out to sow, Jesus said. And he said that he took seed out of his pouch or whatever, his farmer's bag, and he threw the seed out, and some of it landed on the rocky path. He said the birds came and ate it up before it had time to take root. Seed was gone. Then he said uh, the farmer threw seed, and it landed in the soil, kind of in the shallow places, and he said it took root and it grew up a little bit and um, it grew up and but then the sun came out and it didn't make it you know it just the we it just too light and didn't make it. Then he said and and some of the seed fell on thorny ground. I know what he means by thorny ground. We have a lot of thorny ground around us and you know those thorns, man, they get thick and you try to plant anything in there. It might, it might take seed. It might even grow up a little bit through the thorny ground and the bushes. But I'll tell you what happens is there's not enough soil and water to go around. And so what happens is they get real spindly and, and they're choked off and they never really do come to full life. You know, and I, I know that. I can relate to that. They said some of the seed fell on good ground and it produced. You know, and then, what's incredible, Jesus tells this story, and we're all thinking, oh, that's kind of neat. I, oh, I think he means I don't. And then he stopped. He said, but I'm going to tell you what it means. Because you're just like the soil. Every one of you. Every one of you here today is like the soil. Some of you, you are hard. And you are hard. You have decided long ago that you're the boss and you're in charge. And so when God comes along and he wants to help you, he has truth for you and he gives it to you. But you make some kind of choice in your heart and the decision and you say in your heart, I don't need God. I don't want God. He better not tell me what to do. You know, it's like the bird that comes by and eats the seed and it doesn't help you any. You're no better off tomorrow than you were yesterday. You just do the same things over and over again. You have the same attitude over and over again. And man, your whole life is being wasted because you can't listen to God when he speaks to you out of a love in his heart for you. There's the soil, the shallow soil. Boy, I see a lot of that in the synagogue. Oh, people are Jews. Yeah, they're worshipers. They come. And they go. It's not deep in their hearts. You know, and then when something bad happens in their lives, somebody gets sick, or you know, the fish don't run, you know, or family doesn't do well, you know what happens? They're pretty shallow, and they begin to doubt. Is God going to be there for them? And they stop holding on, and so they wither, and they're gone. Then, again, like I said before, I know I understand the thorny ground. You know, and he said, well, some of you are like that. You know, the seed gets into the soil, and it grows up, and you think, oh, it's going to go. But then you've got all that other stuff in your life that chokes you out from listening to God. It's like, you know, 
I'm busy. I have a lot of things to do. I don't have time to love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. I don't have time to make God my priority. Oh, I believe in God. Come on. Of course I believe in God, but he's not in charge. And pretty soon, there just isn't any productivity out of that plan. You know, there's no fruit. There's no, you know, pumpkins that come out. You know, it just, you know, it grows up for a while, and then it's, that's about all. You know, Jesus is so good at connecting this to who we are and who I am. And boy, and then he said some falls on the good soil. (laughs) Oh, no, we hope. Somewhere along the way, we make it to that. Think of it, man. What an incredible story. That's the kind of stuff that Jesus said all the time. He'd talk about all the time. What kind of soil are you? Man, could I ask you today, what kind of soil are you? I mean, you can tell me what you want to, but it's God's Spirit, and He knows. He knows how to help you. He knows how to make that decision to say, God, I want to turn away from myself. And I want to say, God, I want to hear you and follow you. Help me to do that. You know, good soil. God can turn your heart into good soil. If you're struggling with a soil, know that God can change you. God can help you. God can help you to make a choice. I, I said before, One of the things, probably one of the two strongest things that Jesus ever did for me is Jesus confronted me. He confronted me. Think about that. Oh, it's a lot easier if nobody ever gives you advice or tries to help you. I've not always been so teachable. (laughs) I struggle with that now. But before, you know, being teachable. You know, you get into this pattern, I know everything. Don't try to tell me that. You want to know who Jesus is. If you let him in, he's going to confront you about the stuff on the inside. You can fool me. You can fool John and Andrew and you can fool Paul the Apostle and you can fool your pastor and you can fool your spouse. You cannot fool Jesus. He knows. And He cares about you with great compassion. You understand that? That's who Jesus is. He will confront you. He will say to you, your life is a mess. And either you change it or it's going to keep me in the mess. Teachable. Oh, God loves a teachable heart. In fact, the old prophets talk about that. Others have written about it more recently. How God wants a teachable heart. That's what he wants in you. Teachable. What's it mean to be teachable? You, you, 
gotta, you gotta confess the pride and call it what it is if you want to have a heart that changes. Teachable. Oh, confronting. That's so important to me. To describe who Jesus is. Well, I was starting to tell you a little bit ago, and I kind of got off track a little bit about how much I love the sea. <laughs> I can walk on water now, look. <laughs> oh, I love the Sea of Galilee. It's home to me. Oh, I just love the water. I, I love the, the wind. and Oh, just the, the ebb and flow of life. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is part of who I am. It's not that much water if you've ever seen it. It's six miles by about 14 miles, give or take. It's not that big. Boy, it's life to many people from where I live, and I've been on the water all my life. I have, I have my own boat. Uh, most of us have a boat now. It's not much to look at, I can promise you. And it's pretty old and creaky, and you know, even when I get in, I've got to be real careful because if I step in the wrong place, oh, there's another hole to take care of, but you know, it's mine. It's always nice to have your own boat, but it does need constant repairs. Uh, I'm having trouble with one of my oars here. Oh, look at that. That's about to break. I need help on that. Here, could I get some help from somebody here? Would you help me, sir? Come over here, would you? You look strong. Hold that for me, would you? Put one hand down there. See, it's starting to break there, and I need to fix that. Right, give me a minute here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, this duct tape's incredible. You guys, I'm telling you what's crazy about this duct tape. Man, it fixes everything on my boat. I don't know if you guys have any of that where you live. You know what else I noticed about this duct tape? It lasts for centuries. It's really incredible. Thank you. You did a good job. Yeah, but, you know, I'm always trying to fix this boat. <laughs> it's something else. Um, but she's mine, and I love her. You know how that is, you know. Uh, sometimes we row, and sometimes we try to put up the sail. But, you know, the wind on the Sea of Galilee is so unpredictable. That's what's crazy about it. You think you got it all figured out, and well, the wind changes. It happens that way. In fact, on the Sea of Galilee, the weather changes very quickly. And let me tell you a story about what happened one time. Jesus was teaching again. He's just doing that all the time, pretty much. Most of the time, we're with him. He's teaching. He's healing. He's working. He's miracles. It's just incredible. And one day, he's, he's teaching, and he says to the disciples, I, I need to be alone for a while. I'm going to go up into the mountain, and I'm going to pray which was not unusual for him. We didn't quite figure out why he needed to pray. <laughs> you know, who needed to pray, you know. But Jesus, boy, he did set us a real example about that. He said, I'm going to go pray. I want you disciples to get in the boat and go across to the other side. You know, after a while, we just do what Jesus says, you know. You know, it don't make sense sometimes. You know, that's the thing about Jesus is you don't always understand before you take the step of faith that he can help you. You think you've got to have it all figured out before you can do what Jesus says and get things okay. But that's not the way it is. Jesus can help you when you do what he tells you to every time, on time, right away. It's incredible, his knowledge. 
Well, anyways, that, that was off track. But, but Jesus, one day, all of a sudden, it was late in the day. It, it was late afternoon, and, and sundown was coming pretty soon. He said, you guys get in the boat and go across the other side. I'm, I need to go pray. So we did. Disciples, we got in our boat. And, you know, the boat's not that big, as you can tell. There are other boats there, too, but this is my boat. But anyway, we got in the boat, and we started the other side, and, and uh, none of us really thought too much about checking the weather. You know, we just do what Jesus says, get in the boat and go. So we did, and we started out, you know, you, you start rowing, going out in the middle. You know, it's real shallow right on the edges, of course, and we're going out there, and all of a sudden... We just kind of real. It kind of dawns on us, boy. It, sky doesn't look too good, and whoo, it's really getting dark up there on the northern part of the lake. And oh, we keep going, and we think, well, the wind's a little bit at our back. That'll help us to get over there. So we got a, we got about the middle of the the middle of the lake, and um, I'll tell you what, something changed. The weather changed suddenly. It seems like sudden. The wind is blowing again. And suddenly, the waves, I mean, they are beating against the boat. It's hard to explain how it happened so quickly. But on the Sea of Galilee, it does. For one thing, I said the Sea of Galilee is in this valley. The mountains are around. And a lot of times, a storm comes in from the north, down the Jordan Valley, and they pass right over the Sea of Galilee. That's what happens sometimes. And On this day, boy, the storm started. And uh, I've been in storms. I've been in a lot of storms, actually. This one was totally different. I tell you what, this one, three or four times in my life I thought I was going to die. This was one of them. Because the waves were so incredibly high. And the wind. People think, well, the Sea of Galilee isn't that uh, deep. Well, it is actually in the middle, but we weren't quite in the middle, but they say, well, how can it be that bad in a storm? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. See, when the wind picks up, and you got that wind coming down the valley, and it's stirring up the water, and then it, it, the water surges toward the shore, and when it hits the shoals, boy, them waves just quadruple and fly up. And on a small body of water, you can have amazing waves. You think, that can't happen, but it's true on the Sea of Galilee and other, other seas that are that size has to do mostly with the wind and the depths and the shoals and where the water hits. But anyway, on this late evening, and it was starting to get real late. I mean, we were rowing as hard as we could. And we, we couldn't seem to go one way or the other. The wind would just come from every direction. And I mean, for hours and hours, we're trying to get back or over there, but it had us trapped in the middle. It was, it was petrifying. It really was. Um, I told you I've been scared a few times in my life, and I have to admit, this was one of them. We all were. We really thought we were going to drown. We thought we were going to die. And, and then, on top of that, explain this to me if you can. On top of this, we look out, and in the distance, we see something coming across the water. <sighs> Looked like a ghost to us. I mean, you think we weren't scared enough? Is this the angel of death coming now? 
God sending the, the ghost to help us or maybe Satan is coming and it's time. Well, so we're already scared to death. Hey, we, we're doing our best. We, we haven't given up trying to get this boat to get to one side or the other, but it just nothing is working. And all of a sudden, this ghost comes toward us. At first, we can barely see it in the distance. And what is that? Must be a clock. Man, looks like a person. Man, we are really freaked out. I mean, this is really scary. You know how you feel sometimes? You ever had like this sudden surge of something that goes through you when you're afraid? That's how I felt. And then we heard the voice. It is I, do not be afraid. What? Take courage. Right away we know whose voice it was. Even through the wind and the waves and the sound and all that, we could we could tell who it was. It was the voice of Jesus. To this day. Can you explain that to me? If you believe in Jesus, can you explain that to me? If you don't believe in Jesus, I I submit to you today. Consider who he is. He's in. He comes toward us. Don't be afraid. You know, Peter, you know me. I'm the talkative one. I'm the first one to do anything. I'm the first one to get myself into trouble, and it happened many times. But somehow Jesus still loved me. You know, right away, it's like this surge of something came up in me when I heard the words, and I, I can't quite explain it, but there was this surge of something, and I said, Jesus, if it's really you, Tell me and I'll come to you. I don't know why I said that. It was this surge of belief, this surge of, yes, I can believe. I don't quite know what it was. It's like for a moment I, I forgot about the wind and the water and I can't walk on water. Come on. But in my, I don't know what you would call it, impetuous personality, I just, I'll do it. Jesus, you know, because I was really expressing faith right there. I was trying to. I was trying to say, Jesus, if if that's really you, and you can do it, and you're coming to me, then maybe you want me to also. And so I said, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. What does Jesus do? He says, Peter... Come. Jesus doesn't always use a lot of words. That's something about a good teacher. He can use three words and he can, the insight into life and into me and into you is incredible. Sometimes, you know, we talk like this and he talks like this. Peter, come. 
I'll never forget this. I stepped out of the boat. I'm not sure why. And I took a step toward Jesus. I walked on water. I'm not telling you this story because I figured it out. I'm telling you this story because it's true. And God can speak to you like he speaks to me. I took a few steps toward him. My first few steps. Wow. Then as often I started thinking. That often brings me into trouble. I started thinking. Wait a minute. Water. You can't walk on water. Listen to the wind. Look at the waves. Man, you're going crazy. Hey, what else I did is I was looking at him, but then I, I started looking down at my circumstances and thinking, oh, man, I can't do this. It's almost like I forgot that Jesus told me I, I could come. I forgot that somehow in the moment. And, oh, from there, you know what happened. You know the story. I, I started sinking. I started to go down. I cried out, Jesus, save me. You know what happened once again? You know what Jesus did? He came and he took me by the hand and he pulled me up. He took me over to the boat. He led me back to the boat. I got in the boat. There's two things about this part of the story that I will never forget. One, as you see it in that picture, I will never forget the grip of Jesus on my arm. The grip. When Jesus gets a grip on you, different. Somehow that grip that Jesus had on my arm, it felt um, felt secure. It felt confident. I mean, it's not like he squeezed it to break my arm, but it was just tight enough that I knew that Jesus could be trusted. He could be trusted in my storm. And you know what happened then? What would you have done? I, I tell you what, there were 12 apostles who fell down on their knees in the boat and worshipped him. How could we not? I mean, if, if you know this story as I do, because I was there, how could you not? And so we worshiped him, and 
we began, we all were thinking things, and somebody said, truly, this is the Son of God. It's the first time I ever said that. I'd say it later. Truly, this is the Son of God. On that day, in that boat, on the sea, I came to understand Jesus in a different way than I ever had before. I encourage you to take a look at who Jesus is and his amazing insight, his amazing compassion, his amazing I will never forget the grip. The, the last thing, and then I'm, I'm finished. For now, I, I need to go, and I'm so glad you've been here today. The last thing that I want to tell you is the second thing that really just gripped me when Jesus pulled me out. He pulled me up, and before we got in the boat, I looked down, and I could see. His feet. You think, well, that's kind of strange. Why would that matter, Peter? I could see his feet. There they were, on top of the water, sandals on, like my feet. Wouldn't have been much different. Feet. Above the water. Do you know anybody else that can do that? Do you know anybody else that can do that? Know anybody else who has that kind of power? Go to that last slide, would you please? There's only one. There's only one that has that kind of power. And if you miss out on him, You've missed the most important truth in life. Jesus. His power. He has a powerful name. I haven't gotten yet to tell you about what he did later. I mean, that's arguably, that's far more important than what he did here. But I told you this part of the story today. But you know what he did for us? You realize what this powerful Son of God did. He died for our sins. That's another part of the story. Incredible. I want you to know him today.